Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Most Podcast, part two here on a Friday, July 22nd, 2022 edition here on the podcast. Uh, thank you as always for making the Chasing Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. I greatly appreciate it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, the Chasing Most Podcast is there. Uh, make sure that you are uh, subscribed on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jason Thomas podcast, like, and subscribe as we continue, uh, beefing up that, uh, YouTube page. So go check that out. If you have not already done so tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, read me at sports Renaissance man. That's me sports Renaissance man. Dot dot com wrote a piece on Northwestern and what they might, uh, consider, uh, in terms of, uh, some offensive strategy, perhaps in the not too distant future. So write about that that you can go read over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email and become a subscriber today to get all of my written content emailed to you every day. So there you go. A lot going on as we head into the weekend. we got the local hour uh, coming up. Uh, Sports reporters assemble. We're back, uh, as always, on Saturdays. So a lot coming up uh, here on the Chase Most Podcast here on the daily content front. So again, Thank you, as always, for checking out the program. Uh, Stats by Will coming on part two here to talk all things college basketball, uh, TCU, and getting so much production back uh, at TCU. Some way too early uh, March Madness brackets from Joe Lenardi on ESPN.com. If the Wisconsin Badgers are not a tournament team next year, based on who they've got coming in, uh, some home and homes we would like to see in college basketball going forward. And we wrap with our season review of the St. Mary's uh, basketball team. So a lot of fun with Will, as always. Appreciate him coming on the program. StatsByWill.com. Check him out there. Follow him on Twitter at StatsByWill. Uh, all right. Part two as we wrap up here on a Friday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. College basketball time here on the Chase Most Podcast with Stats by Will. We're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. Will, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Doing well today. It's uh, it's nice to be alive after last night's mega storm that just parked the bus over Knoxville for six hours. So it was baffling because I think uh, my podcast uh, co-host on uh, Wednesday nights, Matt. Uh, I message him during i was like we gotta like we we don't have much time because the sounds are actually pretty terrifying and yeah. i was concerned that i was gonna lose power in the house and fry all my stuff where that was the most consistent lightning thunder rain sounds and then i went outside and looked at it uh, after we're done and it's like oh my goodness this is uh this it was one of the more crazy storms i've ever seen and then i saw this morning that the fort like there were a bunch of kids who lost their cars they, they just like floated away did you see that like with the severe no. flooding in fort sanders this morning wow um so those are all gone um but yeah it's pretty wild for folks that were not familiar if you look on twitter and just look at knoxville storm you'll see some amazing um radar detector stuff i don't know what to call uh the the equipment for meteorologists but they they basically showed how insane the storm really was and where it was and like you said parking a bus there for like six hours and let me just go ahead and tell you khaleesi the dog was not a fan of what was happening last night there that, that uh old mother nature is atletico madrid just parking it 
until uh, until we finally gave in. I like that. It's a deep cut. Um, <laughs> does uh, Cedric get a, a phase at all by the weather? No, no. He, well, there are a couple of thunder booms uh, like five a.m. Where mm-hmm. so he jumped up for a minute to be with us, and then after he heard one of those, he ran off to another room. Then he came back, and he kind of went back and forth for a little bit. So he's built different. Yeah, he. Their normal rain does not spook him whatsoever. He just sleeps mm. through it. But thunderstorms will get him a little bit. But I know it's different with dogs. Interesting. Okay. I like it. I like it. If uh, Khaleesi woke up at 5 a.m. this morning with the storm, guess what? Didn't know because I'm essentially dead uh, <laughs> when I'm asleep. So nothing could wake me. I, I would sleep through all of that. Um, well, Will, uh, ostensibly, this is a college basketball program that we do uh, every single Thursday night. Um, we have some some college basketball to talk about, sir. And one of it is uh, the transfer winners. And not winners in terms of what they brought in, but winners in who they're able to retain, which if what happens now uh, or what was introduced today on Twitter where it's like the one-time rule being taken away, if that goes into effect... Like this is going to be a yearly thing to watch is just um, who can retain the most people um, each and every year, because that might decide who wins the title uh, because of how important continuity is in uh, winning a title in, in sports in general. So um, that's going to be an arms race and just uh, chaotic and an absolute mess and uh, not good. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it's probably not going to be good for the sport and the health of the sport, but it's coming and I just it's one of those things where I just can't get uh, I can't get all up in arms about stuff that are that's out of my control. It's just kind of you got to keep rolling with the punches. I have my take. You have your take. I think we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff, but I don't know. It feels like I'd be yelling and screaming into the void and that's just not really, really my jam. Uh, but I think that's it's also gonna be- just like an everyday activity now. Mm-hmm. Yelling and screaming into the void. That for a lot of folks, not for me, <laughs> I'm not logging on to Twitter.com and doing such things. But there are a lot of folks uh, mm-hmm. who spend the day yelling into the void and commenting on people's posts that they disagree with and then expecting uh, a very beneficial, thoughtful back and forth that results in both sides seeing and understanding each other even better than they did previously. There, I, need to, I need to find the uh, I'm not a TikTok user, but I did see this as a TikTok video. It's a video of a guy. uh watching hockey and he says oh that's pretty cool games on and then just keeps pointing to the screen says games on keep talking games on that's how i feel about some of this stuff um i will i will tell you i i completed my uh, homework assignment you gave me at double dogs on uh tuesday was it wednesday when did we meet tuesday wednesday tuesday i'm struggling to recall the assignment you oh was it the rehearsal yes okay let's let's save that for the end i do want to hear your thoughts Okay, I like it. I actually do want to correct something you said earlier, too. This is actually a running podcast that's like on the side about college basketball. So, I mean, hey, we learned that uh, <laughs> Will is a headband guy. So for all the East Tennesseans that feel like they've seen Will out running the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee, and they're not 100% certain because they're like, I've never seen him in a headband. So I don't know if that's him. If he's in a headband and it's early in the morning, it's probably Will Warren. It's it's almost certainly me. Don't say I have hi. been surprised at the lack of headband usage i've seen out and about maybe it's Mm. just like different strokes for different folks i guess but for me i can't stand when sweat gets in my eyes or just on my you know like below the the eyebrows in general so the headband is a lifesaver in the summer here oh i'm a headband guy Uh, Mm. i'm a headband uh 
Zach Wilson headband kind of guy. I love that Jordan, like the ninja uh, headband the, is the my jam. Wrap. Yes, that is my jam. Like that one is cool. And I feel like a ninja whenever mm. I put it on. And I, that's what I want to feel like if I'm exercising. Yeah. I want to feel cool because I don't feel cool most of the time because I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> being a sports writer uh, or sports podcaster doesn't make you feel like the coolest guy in school all that often. Well, I mean, being known as the guy who can interpret Excel sheets doesn't really make me feel like I've got popularity status. So, <laughs> when you say I, I, I don't even know what right that means, interpret you. Excel sheets, like in term. Never mind. Uh, I, never I can, mind. I can tell people what stats mean. That's that's my that's my skill. That's why they call them stats by social, will. Social talking skills not really there. Excel interpretations, one hundred percent. I'm your guy. I think we did pretty well in our double dogs oh, yeah. lunch. I think it was good. Mm-hmm. Good meal. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fun. It was fun. Shout out to Double Dogs over there in Knoxville. And not shout out to our favorite Mexican restaurant that we were going to go, that Che Guevara, 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. best one in Knoxville. Not open for lunch. Just not available. Yeah. Not broadcasting. Che Guevara listeners, let me let like let us help you fix the website and let folks know that you're not open uh, during lunch hours. Because I had like I was driving down the road and I was like, I cannot wait to eat lobster quesadillas. Like this is just gonna mm-hmm. be an oh. absolute yeah, they have lobster and you can just put lobster in whatever you want, whatever Mexican dish you want. It's 10 out of 10. I'm all about it. And that wasn't the case. We pulled up and it was our our worst fears realized. Mm -hmm. There's just people going to yoga class. Again, worst fears, like just running into people going to yoga class. For the non-Noxillians, they have Z in the first name, so you can't be offended by the restaurant name Che Guevara. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Do they really? I've never right there. We wouldn't even know because they don't use signage. It's a cool place where it's like yeah, you wouldn't even know what you're walking that's into. The amazing thing you could walk into like a barber shop on accident. Yes, which I'm okay with, and that's like one of the cool things about those local spots where it's like you don't even know, like you would never know it exists unless you're a local Knoxvilleian. I think it's yeah. impossible to know, which is exactly. cool. Um, that concludes uh, the <laughs> East Tennessee uh, tourism industry update um, for the folks coming into Knoxville this fall for Tennessee football games and uh, their team coming in. They're like, where should we go eat? Well, we got you covered right there. Take a bar. Mm. Um, well, let's see. What was I getting into? I just <laughs> we were really about, like, we were talking about transfer retention. Yes, and there I completely we go. Ruined the first five minutes here. You're so. totally fine. Apologies um, to Chase's dad who enjoys these uh, shows. He does. He <laughs> gave me his top list uh, and he's going to listen to this. And he's like, oh, I got another shout out. So he he likes hearing the shout outs on the program. So shout out to uh, to my dad for uh, uh, listening to the pod. So there you go. Um, top 20, though. They did a really good piece by uh, one of my favorite college basketball writers, Jeff Barzello, on teams who kept their job or kept their team together the best. And we knew Virginia was going to be on this list. We knew North Carolina was going to be on this list. We knew... Um, Gonzaga was going to be on this list, but I think perhaps the most interesting is number one, uh, the TCU Horn Frogs, where uh, Jeff wrote, quote, Jimmy Dixon has all five starters back from the team that took uh, Arizona to the brink in the second round of the NCAA tournament. The lone loss was reserve guard uh, Francisco uh, Farabello, an excellent outside shooter, but the Horn Frogs bring back everybody else. So a lot of upside uh, for the Horn Frogs. Were you surprised to see them number one? No, not really. I mean... I think it's pretty hard to disagree with any of the top four, which in order were uh, TCU, Virginia, Dayton, UNC. Mm. Uh, The only argument that I could really see is like you can move Virginia ahead because they bring back their top six players instead of top five. And honestly, you could make a good case for UNC being number one simply because they brought back 
pretty much everybody important not named Brady Manick. Uh, but that's a good list. I mean, TCU should open the season, in my opinion, as a low-end top 25 side. Uh, you know, they're, I think they're going to get a little too much team from taking Arizona to overtime, which felt really impressive at the time. And then Arizona just got demolished by Houston immediately after that. So a little less exciting, but still pretty cool. Um, but I liked that top four. And, you know, even Gonzaga at number five, I, I hesitate to call them a winner on these lists because it's like who really if you're going to play of course like if you're not going to play you know transfer to your thing if you're going to play why would you ever leave Gonzaga Hmm. um so I wouldn't be it's kind of hard to call them a winner when it's like they should just be a winner every year it would be like somebody transferring out of Kentucky if they were going to start well I think they deserve credit for keeping Hickman and Salas right like I think because they just didn't play and I think they have opportunities to go play anywhere else when you're five-star kids like that's a bold yeah. move to not play them, but you need that respect. And it's like they have the they have the culture and the history that you can do that. Like most mm-hmm. teams cannot do that. You cannot like Rick Barnes, as much as we love him, he can't just be like, uh, you're going to have to. Um, th- this is going to be one of those things, Phillips, where you're going to have to come off the bench and you're going to be yeah. you're gonna have to earn your spot. No, 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 no. You're playing right away. Like that's what's happening yeah. here. You're you're playing. Well, yeah, I, and I definitely give him credit for that too. Like mm. the, because I mean, for those two to stay after they added Malachi Smith from UTC, yep. that's a pretty big deal. I mean, like you're gonna. The thing about Gonzaga is sort of regardless of your status. I mean, Chet kind of automatically got to start this year, but if you're a sub Chet level recruit, like if you're not going in the top five in the draft, you're really gonna have to fight for your minutes. And mm. I mean, the guys that stay kind of end up being everybody's favorite. So good for that. Shout out to the WCC though. I had University of Portland head coach on yesterday, mm-hmm. um, Shante Leggins, and he uh, he was good. He was a lot it's of a fun. Dude. I like him a lot. Um, he was really good. And you go through it, and I didn't realize like Steve Lavin's now in this conference, and you go up and down the list. It's actually like Ramar is in this conference. The WCC, man, sneaky, sneaky strong. I mean, BYU is going to yes. exit next year, but um I don't know. Pretty. And I mean, a lot of tournament teams, like half the conference is a tournament uh, light team. Like there's a case for a lot of these schools. So I don't know. The WCC is a sneaky, sneaky, strong basketball conference. Now, it's not just Gonzaga and the rest of everybody else. It's and we'll get to a team (laughs) that gets overlooked often um, outside of Gonzaga. But I don't know. WCC, pretty solid. Yes. I I would like to shout out one team that I was honestly surprised to not see on this list. Mm -hmm. I understand there. So the the criteria is more or less like teams that were either in the tournament or in the hunt for the tournament. Right. And so to not see Liberty on that list was a little bit of a Mm. surprise uh, because I know technically if you're they ended up like 120th or so in Ken Palm and they lost their conference semifinals. You could make the argument they weren't really in the hunt, but they won their regular season title. Uh, and were considered the best team in the Atlantic Sun basically all year. And mm-hmm. I wanted to give them credit. I know, like, do I ever want to give credit to anything happening at Liberty University? Not really. But that being said, Richie McKay, I don't know if people know this, uh, Liberty has won 104 games in the last four years. That's wild. Uh, they've basically seen nobody of serious note transfer out during that time. And they have... Uh, who I consider college basketball's best threat at a 60-point game, uh, Darius McGee coming back. Uh, it didn't seem like he was a real threat for anything other than the pros at any point, and seven of their top eight scores are back this year. For a team at their level, 
to do that, to hold it together like that, uh, and really go for one big run at the tournament this year, that to me is a pretty big deal because we don't really see those type of success stories at mid-majors as much anymore. So, I mean, again, that's that's seven of the top eight coming back from a team that was one win away from the tournament. I think there's a Sunday sermon uh, that we could pull out of this where it could be, um, do you know who didn't enter the transfer portal when he had every reason to, Will Warren? <laughs> Job. Hmm, he stayed, right. he trusted the process, he didn't enter the portal, and he saw it through. That's what I was thinking about here. I was like, how does Liberty uh, just get, how are they able to keep these guys uh, from leaving in the portal? It's like, you know who didn't enter the portal? Job. That's right. They're playing that Kanye song where he says he thought the book of Job was a job. <laughs> Which, sadly, that's like the best song on that album. So, Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. The- yeah, of the returning, uh, no offense to our folks. Like, we mean it in good fun. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, I think it's, uh have a sense of humor about this stuff. Um, I am curious, though, of the returning starters for TCU, who do you think has the highest upside? Who do you think will be the best player returning? Who do you think will be their leader? Uh, Emmanuel Miller has been my favorite, one of my hmm. favorites for a while because he was awesome at AM and he was awesome on a bad team, so he stood out more to me. And he was, you know, he's been a significant player most of his career. I want to see him and what uh, he and Mike Miles can do together mm. out there. Those are the two guys that I point to as if TCU is going to do more than round of 32. And, you know, not that they should have been expected to achieve anything more last year. But if Jamie Dixon's going to finally sort of cash in all of that bad luck he's built up in March for like two decades into one big run, mm. those two guys would be the dudes to push it forward. I could see that. I'm they're fascinating. And it's also like one of those things too with Jimmy Dixon. Do you remember like the context about him leaving Pitt years ago now where we're like, ooh, that's weird. Why would you leave Pitt for TCU? That seems like an odd choice. I think he made the right choice. Uh yeah. I think Jamie Dixon saw something that uh the rest of us did not see at that moment. But um yeah, it's a tough look uh, for Pitt basketball right now and TCU uh basketball really strong yeah. with Jamie Dixon. And I mean like does it is it going to feel weird to see TCU as a top twenty five team this year? Oh yeah, like it's unusual. But everything is impossible until it's possible in college basketball. Like if right. you had told me Texas Tech would be a top five program five years ago, everybody would have laughed at that. Yeah, and now look at them. I mean, I think a lot of people just expected them to drop off this past year, um, yeah. losing Chris Beard, and it's just it's a good program, and they're they're in good shape. Um. Way too early. This is your bread and butter. Way too early 2023 March Madness Field from uh, Joe Lenardi, uh, noted Tennessee volunteer hater Joe Lenardi. <laughs> for the folks that don't remember that coverage and his uh, uh, defense of the seating for Tennessee, um, that was that was a fun time. That man took some heat from Tennessee Twitter during that time period. But um, what, it, what stood out to you from his way too early uh, bracketology? I think as long as people treat uh, this as the precise, silly exercise that it is, no one should be mad about mm-hmm. it. It's a fake bracket produced three months before any on-court basketball takes place. I think it's pretty funny. But anyway, and I know that this is probably going to surprise loyal listeners. I don't actually disagree with much of anything, at mm. least on the top end. Um, so the one seeds here are in order, at least as far as I can tell, they're in order. Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky, Houston. 
I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I don't see a real argument for any of those four entering the year lower than sixth or so in a given poll. And those very well could just be the top four in the AP in that order. Hmm. Uh, and really all of the eight teams he's got in the top two seed lines, those are teams I would see as no worse than top 10 or 11 sides. I mean, Texas as a two seed does feel a little strange at first, but Texas brings back a lot from what was a good team that, you know, if they can ever, if they can figure out the, uh, the offensive side of it a little bit more this year and be a little less cringy to watch, I mean, they could very easily be a top 10 group. So I, I didn't see anything noteworthy in a bad way. Um, I do find it, you know, very on the nose. Thanks, Joe, that Tennessee is a three seed in this, which is, I mean, probably about fair. If, I mean, I would probably say they're a little higher, but three seed seems fine. Same with Duke. I'm, I feel like Duke should be higher, but I totally understand skepticism of how it's going to work in the transition year, despite them on paper having what I think is a top five roster. Um, the only other glaring, like, show your work type of thing I saw, so he's got Illinois as a six seed. I am uh, mm. higher on them than that. I think they're going to be a low-end top 15 group. But even then, that's a difference of two seed lines. So mm. I didn't see anything at first glance where I felt, you know, a strong disconnect with what Lenardi was seeing. So I don't know. I guess I like Joe Lenardi now. I, I mean, I well, hold on. Are you... Are you a believer? Because I think there are some interesting teams like who were in last year who were not in the like Iowa State being a first four out. Um, next four out, like Wisconsin not being a tournament team. That's kind I, I of wild. I agree with that. What's I the case against Wisconsin being a tournament team? Well, they return less than half of their scoring. And to be honest, the only reason they were any good at all for most of the year last year was Johnny Davis, who is not mm-hmm. on the team this year. Uh, Chucky Hepburn uh, will have to become a much more efficient player than he was last year for them to take a step forward. Tyler Wall is an interesting piece for them. You know, if he can continue to progress upwards, he could be pretty good, but that's your likely five, I think. And he cannot shoot threes, which really, or I guess he'll be the four. And at the four, he's a terrible shooter. So that kind of limits your offensive spacing. I mean, it was good for them to turn it around, but they were a paper tiger the entire way that were entirely dependent on if Johnny Davis could just rescue them that night or not. He could against a 14 seed and was able to against an ele- or unable to against an 11. The, uh, the case against Iowa state is also interesting where it's more or less the same thing, just with their talent as last year where they lost a lot, but went hard in the transfer portal. Um, losing Tyree center feels like a real big blow to them. Hmm. And I, I'm not sure how they're going to cope with that, really. I think that it's going to be I, – I would personally slide them as more on the inside than the out one. Mm-hmm. But the case against them making the field is reasonable. Yeah, it should be interesting. And I think that's something to monitor because um, I don't think Wisconsin fans would be all too thrilled. And I also just think Florida State missing uh, would be a huge bummer um, and kind of uh, – kind of a weird turn the last couple of years for Leonard Hamilton's bunch. So I'm curious if that, if that holds, um, but we shall see, we shall see. We still got a lot of basketball and some might say an entire season to play before we have to freak <laughs> out about something like this. Um, home and home though, this is perhaps the most will Warren thing on the menu for today because That's right. we do not like neutral sites. We don't want the games in the Barclay center. We want home and homes. Um, this list, uh, 
just the biggest home and home series that uh, Kyle Boone of CBS Sports would like to see. Um, we should also mention shout out to Duke and Arizona for putting a home and home on the docket uh, today. So that's fun because that's going to be cool. Like Arizona going to Duke and uh, mm-hmm. Duke going to Arizona. That's going to be a big atmosphere. Fans are going to be into it. Student section will be wild. Like that's a big primetime matchup. That'll be fun. When Arizona and Duke are both, uh, it looks like are going to be perennial top 10 teams for the, for the foreseeable future. So that'll be a big matchup. Um, but we shall see. Uh, from this list, though, was there any big omission? Uh, was there one that you already have been like, this is the home and home I want, and it's not on this list? I, I think the obvious one is uh, that's so we'll, we'll cover a couple that are on the list real quick, just so people have some context. So Gonzaga Duke is an obvious one that should be mm-hmm. happening already, frankly. I don't understand why that's not yearly. Kentucky, Indiana should be back on too. Uh, I wonder, I don't know if there's like a Tom Crean thing where there's a discriminator of his and Archie era deal, but hmm. that should happen. Um, one that'll happen anyway that's not on this list is Kansas Houston. I think that should be a yearly game. But uh, a well, couple, it's going to happen anyway. They're moving to Big 12 next year. Yeah. So that'll be out, out there anyway. Hmm. There, there are three that stand out to me. One of which is more or less already annually played, but should be played not at neutral sites, uh, Duke and Kentucky. Yeah. I don't understand why those two teams don't play home and away every year. You're, I think, I mean, you can make the, I don't really feel like it's an argument even. Those are the two biggest college basketball programs, the most well-known. And I mean, I mean, if you want to make the argument for UNC or whatever, then sure. But I think Duke and UNC Kentucky. play each other all, all year. Yeah. Anyway, so Duke and Kentucky should be playing. But if you want to get UNC in here, why don't Kansas and UNC play a home and home every year? The Roy Those Williams are, Classic. The Roy Williams Classic. And I know he's not there anymore, but the the literal last college basketball game we saw was these two teams putting on a great show for millions on a mm. neutral site. And it's two of the four best college basketball programs. Kansas's arena is amazing. Mm. UNC's arena, I don't think it measures up quite to that level or even to Duke's, but I've heard it's pretty cool. Mm. So that's those are two good, and obviously UNC's going to have a good crowd. So those are two great arenas you need to be seeing every year. So I think... Wait, that hold covers... on, Will. Did you not enjoy Duke, Kentucky at uh, MSG? Would you have rather that not I, been played at I MSG? I think they should play it on an aircraft carrier uh, <laughs> off of Hawaii for some reason. Uh, or wherever it is, San Diego. Who, who mm. cares? Uh, but one that is not on this list that is I'm that's not obvious it's not quality but it's arena based for me because so much of why it annoys me that you know we see these games at neutral sites is these teams have like great arenas they could just play at Mm -hmm. some schools don't but these two do and you need two elite arenas all you got to do is go to one elite basketball state so butler and indiana have played each other five times in the last decade do you want to know how many times They've played at either's home arena. Zero? Zero of those times. Yeah. <laughs> Zero of those times have been in either school's home arena. They've been in an NBA arena, Banker's Life, with no connection to either school other than it's probably close to Butler's campus. What are we doing here? Why has what, that never happened? It's so stupid. The last time they played at one another's school, Butler played at Indiana in 2011. 2011. Do you think it's a thing where Indiana doesn't want to lose a Butler and they don't want that look of just... Yeah, and they should get over it because right. this is... I mean, this would be... I mean, and also, I under. I guess I could understand it then because Butler's a Horizon League school, mm. right? I believe they, they might have moved up by then, but 
because they're in the, I think they're in the A10 briefly. But either way, Big East versus Big Ten, that's two mm-hmm. power conferences now. It doesn't matter to lose to Butler anymore. If people lose to Butler all the freaking time, or at least they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm willing to give this idea one to two years to let Butler get back into standard Butler shape under Thad Mata. But by 2025, this needs to be an every year home and home series. One year at Assembly, one year at Hinkle. Those are two of the great arenas college basketball has to offer. It's been long enough. Get it back on the books. You could also do Butler, uh, Ohio State home and home with that Medible. Yeah, but Ohio State's home arena doesn't really interest me that much. It's a it's a nice enough one, but it's not historic in the way Assembly Hall is. It does have the varsity logo uh, from Atlanta. So my Atlanta folks yeah. were out. It always threw me off when I would watch it in Ohio State game there. I'm like, why do they have a varsity logo? And it's just not the same <laughs> thing. That's not what it is. Um, but I'm sure I'm not alone as an Atlanta uh, original, but um, yeah, I think I don't it's know. also it's also that Ohio State calls it the Value City Arena, and I know everything is sponsored now, but that just yeah. doesn't sound right. Is Value City call it? Arena versus Assembly Hall, which one sounds cooler? Yeah, we should just stop. Like one of the things collectively and broadcasters, everybody else, it's like, yeah, that is technically what it's called, but we're not co- like we're just all as sports fans making a um, universal decision to overlook that and call it what it needs to be called. And just mm-hmm. be like, we're not doing that. Like, I will never write, like, Heinz Field, if I ever have to write Heinz Field um, in a NFL Pittsburgh Steelers article or whatever, I'm writing Heinz Field. I'm not writing what it's called now. Like, I'm writing Staples Center. I'm not writing Crypto.com Arena. This is not <laughs> happening. Like, I'm not I'm not doing this. I, I refuse. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like when they had the Rose Bowl presented by PlayStation <laughs> for a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, whatever. Um, any Tennessee notes? None as of late. We're kind of in a dead period. I, I mean, we saw Zakai Ziegler move into his, or his parents, or mm-hmm. yeah, family move into that was very nice. home. That was very nice. Uh, there have been some charming interviews between Josiah James and Tyreek Key. But we're kind of in a, a period where it's like nothing's really coming out. I haven't heard anything about what conference game comes first. I think everybody's just sort of waiting for, I don't know, like three to four weeks from now, something like that for the schedule release, and then we'll find out more. But there was the cool news that November 13th, which I think is a Sunday, Mm -hmm. uh, Tennessee plays Colorado, unfortunately, at a neutral site at Bridgestone. Yeah, I uh, I'm curious to see what happens there, but I am excited about... um, the Justin Edwards decision like that would be like everyone just is kind of it seems like penciled in Edwards to Kentucky but what an like we could have an apocalyptic day on twitter.com <laughs> where I will not partake if Kentucky blows the Edwards signing and he ends up at Tennessee if Rick Barnes pulls that one out of the hat uh I think he's committing on Monday if I have it correctly mm-hmm. um that will be that'll be wild that'll be a fun day on twitter.com yeah, Rick Barnes getting the NIL hookup with uh Oh my goodness, a last second cafeteria. one. I'm here for it. Uh I'm here for it. Uh well, that that should be should be cool, but we'll get there. Um we'll end on this. It's our Kim Palm series season in review. Will Warren, St. Mary's, speaking of the WCC, um, a very good basketball team, one of the best, twenty-five in the country this past year. Uh, what did you make of the 2021-2022 St. Mary's team, and uh, where do you see them going forward? So I've had a little bit of a mini crush on them for like going on 15 years now, where <laughs> it, it was like the late 2000s, and they're always frisky. 
is it the Patty Mills, Matthew Delavadova, Omar mm-hmm. Sam, Samhan, Samhan era. Uh, they had that one year they made the Sweet 16. And the the thing that stood standard for them for so long was like every time you turned in, they got terrific shots. Their offense was so fun to watch. They shot the ball super well. They made like 40% of their threes a ton of the time. Uh, they gave Matthew Delavadova like a 10-year NBA career. So that's kind of a big deal to me. Um, and then all of a sudden in the COVID year, their offense turned to garbage while the defense kept them alive. Mm-hmm. And that held true this past year. They only ranked 51st in offense, which hmm. from uh, from 2010 to 2020, that would have been their second worst offensive ranking. Mm-hmm. But they ranked 12th best defensively, which was their best defense of all time. They were terrific at shutting down the boards. They never fouled. They forced a lot of one-on-one scoring. They took away three-point attempts. I mean, you just got to go back and watch that game where they beat Gonzaga at home to see that in action. They played a pretty mediocre offensive game. Hmm. They did not shoot very well. They did not really get to the line at all. Not much work on the offensive boards. Barely won the turnover battle but they forced Gonzaga into a billion tough twos. I I mean, Drew Timmy was held scoreless for 30 minutes or something like that. And Chet fouled out. It, it was it was a game where, you know, teams lose weird ones on the road in college basketball all the time, but Gonzaga does not look helpless on offense ever. And they mm-hmm. did against St. Mary's because they had a terrific game plan. So they weren't as watchable or as, you know, friendly to the eye uh, one need only to look back to them playing Wisconsin around Thanksgiving for a truly disgusting uh, test of how much you can handle in a given basketball game. Mm-hmm. But it worked for them, and it worked to the tune of, you know, a round of 32 visit, whooped Indiana, got whooped by UCLA, but I don't think anybody would really be offended by that because UCLA was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, you closed your regular season by beating Gonzaga. That's huge to them. So... I mean, again, for 15 years now, I, you know, back when I was a bigger message boarder, I used to have this like standard list I'd keep around for when, whenever Tennessee was involved in a coaching search, which was more or less every two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time I had one, Randy Bennett was always on that wish list because it's just standard. St. Mary's is always frisky, mm-hmm. always tough to beat. You may not love their style of basketball, but it always works. They've never been bad. Uh, since I have started watching college hoops and for a team that, you know, really doesn't have much of a recruiting base is pretty much entirely built on upperclassmen four year guys. You're not going to see them go and get a recruit of any note whatsoever Um, for them to consistently be this, you know, second and show tough team to beat in the West Mm -hmm. coast conference, you know, and a conference where, Frankly, that team should be BYU every year. Mm. That's a pretty good status to have. Um, and I look forward to seeing, you know, they, they don't return quite as much this year as mm. they did last. But I look forward to seeing, you know, what can they do to follow that up? Do you think they're better this year than they were last year? No, I, I mean, they they lost Tommy Cousy, who is kind of the heart and soul of that team. They do return a decent bit, but they're going to have to replace a bunch. And I mean, their rotation as it stands right now is looking at including three or even four freshmen, which is never mm-hmm. great for a mid-major. Yeah. But uh, I don't think they will be better. I think that 
kind of where uh, Lenardi had him. He had them as the actual last team in his field. Mm. And somewhere on that bubble feels pretty apt. Like last four in, first four out. That's kind of where they're going to be around most of the season, if I had to guess. But yet again, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know who they'll have on their non-conference slate because I don't think it's fully decided. But it wouldn't surprise me if they pop up and beat somebody of note this year, or even you know once again pull off one over Gonzaga at home. Who do you think it leads the team in usage? Whew, that's a tough one. I would probably say Logan Johnson is the best mm. bet. Um, but I've kind of learned to not really be surprised by much of anything they do. So Logan Johnson would be the best bet, but Alex Dukas could do it. Kyle Bowen, probably one of those three seniors. What's the best way they match up with Gonzaga? Is there a chance they match up with Gonzaga with what we know about Gonzaga's roster now? Uh, I think you just like do the same thing where you crank the the pace down to zero, uh, you know, take away the threes and just say, Gonzaga, if you can hit a bunch of 10 footers, take your 20 point win and go home. But mm. if you can't hit 10 footers tonight, we're going to have a chance. You, basically to quote, I think you should leave. You got to swap it up. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. Mm hmm. We are. Uh, well, let's end on this. The rehearsal, Will. Yes. It was great. That's, it was incredible. Intense. The fiancé loved it more than Nathan for you. Yeah, it's it's amazing because if you think about it, Finding Francis is more or less a dry run for mm-hmm. what this was. Yes. Um, but I, I kind of find Core more likable than old Bill. I, Bill was very lovable by the end, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, core it's just like he's this very socially awkward sweethearted guy uh in his 50s who can't decide if he wants to spray on his hair does not that was the hair change mid that was a lot that was not good it's not bad choice um but i mean it's crazy to me to think of him building what really is i mean yes it's a big deal for him to lie about his educational status we're just going to do some spoilers here yeah basic ones i'm not going to go too into detail but if you've not watched the rehearsal uh, episode one please stop yeah here um for him to lie about his educational status yes that's like kind of a big deal but the fact he thought Trisha was going to beat him up or whatever was hilarious. I was like, how, do, how, cause she, I mean, he, so, I mean, even at the park where they have mm-hmm. the actor, you know, admit that her daughter is not really named Trisha, which is just mm-hmm. an uh, elite galaxy brain moment. Um, even there, she's just like, yeah, whatever. Though I was jarred by Trisha thinking 39 was old to have, or, or too young to have your first kid. Oh my God. So that was, uh, fiance looked at me when she said that. And I was like, yeah, that's insane. Like that was, I mean, Trisha was a star for me. Uh, just yes. some crazy And kids. fake Trisha was incredible. I don't know. It's a gift, man, that they were able yeah. to just be, like they just transformed into that person after just spending a little bit of time with them. And we're like, yes. okay, got it. I know what they're I mean, the whole thing where she's just like, yeah, she like the way Nathan's like, and she was the one being interviewed, um, but she ended up talking the whole time about herself and everything else. And it was like <laughs> everything you need to know about this person uh, in that interaction. But man, when they, I just, everything about it. I also very much loved when he was <laughs> like, I, I think I'm going to find like those, what did he say? Like, I don't want to mess with the quote, but I'm just like, Oh, if those Jap- Chinese had not created, <laughs> <laughs> it's days like this when i curse the chinese for inventing gunpowder 
all timeline. <laughs> like I'm gonna think about that for a really long time. Like I that that probably got the most audible laugh from me. And I love that this guy. I could not believe he didn't put two and two together that he remembered all those answers popping up throughout the week and he just knew them. Like he won and didn't think about it. That and the, the, <laughs> but the, the, the part of it I've been thinking about the most this week, or, or actually two, two, stop biting me, Cedric. Sorry, the cat <laughs> is gnawing on my knee because I haven't fed him yet. But anyway, uh, the first and lesser part is when he does the poop joke, yeah, but Core doesn't laugh, and then he goes into like a momentary mental tailspin on how the joke wasn't well received, and he wonders mm-hmm. if he's ruined the entire rehearsal. <laughs> but secondly, the whole thrifty boy scene—oh my god—where uh, he sucks the ketchup out of the ketchup packet is truly unreal. <laughs> That—that's that, and then I don't know if you noticed, but on his jacket, uh, like the tag from the thrift store is still on it. <laughs> I did not notice that, <laughs> which is a beautiful little. Uh, addition to the fit that's incredible thrifty thrifty boy is going to be the halloween fit of the year i'm calling (laughs) it now uh and i'm looking forward to naming our bar trivia team orange juice no pulp (laughs) i I don't i don't know if they're going to be able to top this episode is the problem I, I it could suffer from a little bit of Twin Peaks syndrome where the the pilots. Whoa, 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 we're not throwing out dirt. the Twin Peaks is one of my favorites. Every episode was good. Delight. No, Twin Peaks intro way better than I mean the rest of the episodes are good, but the Twin Peaks intro is one of the greatest episodes of. Well, that's a pilot movie. That was like an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, it's like the, Lost, where the Lost Part One and Part Two were insane. But that's but, the that's my fear is that they threw everything in this pilot, and the rest of the show is just it's going to be awesome, but it's not going to measure up to the pilot. I don't but think so. See, I believe in Nathan. With that, Seeing that still with him in the laptop harness uh, at a Raising Cane's gives me a lot of hope. It's just incredible. Um, I'm here for it. It's a great show. Um, yes. Folks, go check it out. It has the seal of approval of the Chase Most Podcast and Stats by Will. So there uh, you go. The, the most heart-pounding ending of any show I have witnessed in years. And we will never know. Yeah. We'll never know. Incredible work. And the, the filmography and what they're doing there is just incredible. Uh, Stats by Will. Follow him on Twitter. Stats by Will. Go to StatsByWill.com. Bookmark that if you have not already done so. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right. That'll do it for the Friday, July 22nd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Must Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Chase Must Podcast and making this very program part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. We greatly appreciate you making the Chase Must Podcast part of your daily listening rotation. Uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Must Podcast. Like and subscribe, all the good stuff. Get in touch with the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Then, of course, read me and all my sports writing over at sportsrenaissancebrand.substack.com. Type your email, become a subscriber, and get uh, all my sports writing right there in your email inbox every day. So, a lot of fun as we wrap up here on a Friday. Thank you as always. And uh, you guys have yourself a great Friday and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.